With effect from March 1985, I will be controller of the biggest popular radio station in the UK, if not the world. The enormity of the role caused a few butterflies to flutter in my tummy. Just what does a controller do? Well, you may well ask. It's one of those unique BBC titles. In any other organisation, the person totally in charge would be the managing director. But we can't have a title like that because that's reserved for the boss of all the controllers. So in a nutshell, the controller of a network is responsible for all aspects of that network, answerable only to the managing director of the directorate, in my case the radio directorate. I would have a budget, a production staff to manage, airtime to fill, on-air talent to hire and fire, and a schedule of programmes to fill. As far as the public is concerned, the controller is the person to take the blame for what comes out of the loudspeaker. What a responsibility. Having been employed by the BBC for 28 years, I wasn't altogether ignorant about the responsibilities of the job and for the last couple of years had actively thought about the possibility of getting it and what I might do with the network if they ever put me in charge. There was no shortage of popular talent. These were the DJs on the books, Richard Skinner, Bruno Brooks, Mark Page, Paul Gambaccini, Gary Bird, Mike Reed, Adrian John, Gary Davis, Steve Wright, Paul Jordan, Jimmy Savile, Anne Nightingale, Pete Drummond, Janice Long, Adrian Just, Dave Lee Travis, John Peel, Jeff Young, Dixie Peach, Anne-Marie Gray, Simon Bates, Peter Powell, Tommy Vance and Andy Peebles. I was like a football manager with perhaps too many players on the payroll. It wasn't enough to keep playing the same tactics with the same old team. I was proud of the large audiences we had, but knew we would be up against more and more competition as commercial radio expanded and as daytime television increased its hours. The Radio 1 listeners were all growing older. We needed to attract new, younger ones, and the BBC itself was undergoing self-examination about its role as the major UK broadcaster. I was tired of having the network regarded by the BBC establishment as something second class. It deserved proper recognition, and it deserved to be heard in FM stereo in the same quality as the other networks. I vowed that would be one of my first priorities, coupled with a desire to provide this service 24 hours a day. This would need plenty of capital expenditure. It was also time Radio 1 grew up even more. I'd heard all the allegations about pop and prattle, and if we were to argue the case for a successful renewal of our charter, including a continuation of the Radio 1 service, we had to be better than and different from commercial radio. So I was determined that we should have as much credibility musically as Radio 3. To achieve this, we needed to employ knowledgeable and talented presenters and to secure broadcasting rights to the biggest concerts everywhere. I wanted to ensure that we played as wide a selection of music as we could, from new talent as well as from existing bands. What we needed was a close look at the current on-air talent, a shake-up of the tired ones, and to provide motivation for the producers to keep their shows fresh. I knew that in order to justify the universal licence fee, the BBC needed Radio 1's huge audience, so that we could argue everyone used one or other of the BBC networks at some time. The challenge would be to grow up without losing too many listeners. 
More promotion than ever was the key, even if it meant spending money on advertising, tie-ups with newspapers, cross-promotion from BBC television. The BBC TV had huge audiences, yet at that time there was no cross-promotion. Having started my executive career producing The Beatles Story, I wanted to ensure we continued to inform our audience about the background to the music we played by making excellent documentaries. On the subject of information, I knew that for many of our younger listeners, Radio 1 was the only source of current affairs and news, so I wanted to improve our Newsbeat operation. Perhaps there should be more airtime for Newsbeat, and the commissioning of Newsbeat specials when events justified it, more involvement and association between Radio 1 and the Newsbeat staff to break down the us, the music men, versus them, the newsmen situation. Social action broadcasting too would become increasingly important as it was the only way of reaching a socially disadvantaged section of the population.